shared a bowl of sugar, did some shots of brown liquor, played with my shotguns, field dressed a cat. Welcome in to the Bro Four Squad podcast, where we are just a bunch of bros drinking beer and talking movies. This is episode 215, and I'm your host, the mayor, Jeff Hornacek. Thank you guys so much for checking us out. Before we dive into the movie discussion, let's go around and meet my fellow bro for today. It is our legal counsel, Ronnie Cycli. Ronnie, how many times has someone used the expression, so sue me around you, and you ruthlessly actually ended up suing them? Well, I do because otherwise, if not, I can sue them for, you know, just using that word improperly, right? So, you know, they I need to keep everyone honest. So honestly, be careful if you use that phrase because I'm coming at you two ways. Is it a thing where like, if you're around other lawyers and you don't pursue litigation, they'll look at you as like, you're, oh, he's getting soft. Oh man, what's wrong with this guy? Like, yeah, like what what kind of pussy are you, man? You Ronnie used to sue, sue everybody. Now he's a fucking bitch. God, yeah, it's it's daily, honestly. It's impossible to deal with. I do have a um on my desk. I do have a little statuette that says "Sue the Bastards." Nice. Anytime, you, anytime you're like, maybe we won't go, we won't pursue like extreme damages. You look at that guy and you're like, you know what? Fuck. Yep. No, you know what? I do want to ext- pursue extreme damages. <laughs> I want to go for the jugular. All right, well, welcome into our show, guys. We begin every episode of the Bro4 Squad podcast with the most important thing in any bro's life, that is chest day. And as you can tell from the title of this episode, our chest day today, since it's mid-January, we are doing our 2023 movie year in review. So closing the book on 2023, um, of course, we still have the Broskers to come in February, which is the event everyone looks forward to. Joe Coy is not hosting this year. Um, oh, but yeah, I'm so ready for those kind of jokes. We want we wanted it to be so funny. So Arby we has big boobs. <laughs> oh my god, dude! Did How did you come up with that? He's crazy, dude. You can't hold him back. God. Um, but did you watch that, by the way? Like, so oof. I saw some clips and it was pretty rough. My wife read to me. Sorry to digress here on the pod real quick, but this is needs to be This talked. is important. This is and it is what we talk about here on so the pod. So his, his Taylor Swift joke, regardless of how you feel about Taylor Swift, my wife, like, read me just the transcript of the joke. And I understand with, like, you know, monologues and comedy, a lot of it is in the delivery. But she read it to me, and I was like, no, he's not trying to make a joke there. Like, he's just – he literally said, the difference between the Golden Globes and an NFL game is we'll yeah. show Taylor Swift less. And I was like, okay. And then my wife. Yeah, like, he's just making a statement. My wife was like, "No, that that was the joke." I go, "Where?" <laughs> like, what? no, that's just a that's just a statement. It, it would be like me making the statement like the difference when I go to Walmart or Target is when I go to Walmart, I prefer their produce. <laughs> <laughs> and then he like it was then he like defended himself throughout. Like he was like, "No, it's not my fault. These jokes are bombing." Which is the most chick oh shit thing yeah. you can do. You step out on that stage and you like it's you. Okay. I, I get that like he was given the gig like two weeks before, but it's like, dude, what do you think's gonna happen then? Don't accept the gig. There's why there's a reason you don't need hosts for this shit. We'll talk we've talked about this on the Oscars, but yeah. Yeah, he damaged his reputation. <laughs> I didn't even know who he was. Honestly, I didn't either. Now I do, for and now I do reason. for him sucking. If next time I say something unfunny on the pod, I'm just gonna blame my writers who I yeah. don't have. That's banner. Don't worry. All right, well, <laughs> Today, it's our 2023 movie year in review. So what we're going to do is uh, at the very beginning of the year, like in January of 2023, we did our um, movie preview show where we went through and picked our most anticipated films, our biggest sleeper movies, and then some biggest flops. And then we also had some honorable mentions that we talked about. So if you want to go back and listen to that, 
I can't remember what episode it is, but I'll try and look it up at some point. Um, but we're going to go back and review those picks and then uh, also talk about some awards that we want to give to movies that we saw in 2023 and then some honorable mentions. So I actually have not only Cycles, but uh, looks like Nate Thurman's picks as well that we went over. So Cycles, let's just dive right in. And we'll go over what our most anticipated movies of 2023 were. So I'll read these off, and then you can tell me how you think your pick holds up. Uh, Nate Thurmond, wow, real ballsy pick here, Nate. He said Oppenheimer. <laughs> Way to go, Chalk. Uh, you said The Flash, mainly for uh, the Ezra Miller situation and how that would end up being marketed. As you were. So I don't, I in re- listening to it, it wasn't necessarily that you were interested in like what the movie would be. It yeah. was like, how is this going to work with WB and releasing a yeah. major blockbuster where the star probably shouldn't be promoting the film at all? Yeah, I. so I think that you're right. I, I don't think it was. I, I kind of look back and to Nate's point about Oppenheimer. Was it chalk? Yeah, but I will give credit to both Oppenheimer and Barbie really quickly to say, while they were the obvious choices, they not only fulfilled those expectations, they knocked them out of the park. Right? Yeah. It ended up being a cultural phenomenon. I think that's why some of us maybe didn't t- pick it because it felt like it was like a high, like a low risk pick, but like one that could fall through. Um, so I give credit to Nate for picking that because I did a Barbenheimer. People were dressed out. Everyone went and saw these. And uh, I think it was bigger than we anticipated in January last year. Oh, yeah. Do, do you remember, like, when was the Barbenheimer, like, momentum building? Like, I can't remember when we knew that these were going to be released and, and social media kind of started to latch it onto, like, this. It was around this time because I think Oppenheimer moved multiple times. And it was because now I can't remember off the top of my head. There was another movie that was coming out on IMAX. I, I remember there was a lot of like dancing around like Mission yeah. Impossible moved a couple times. That's what it was. Mission Impossible. And so I don't know if we knew yet in January and maybe that's why we didn't discuss it in our like, um, you know, 2023 expectations. But I mean, I did. We, we've had this discussion on the pod before. How much did Barbie help Oppenheimer? How much Oppenheimer helped Barbie? Um and so, yeah, I got to give credit to Nate there because, yes, it was a good pick. It was an easy pick, but uh, I don't think anyone saw what started as a joke becoming a true phenomenon. And one that I think movie studios are going to try to replicate. And I don't know if we will. I think we're going to look back in 10, 20 years and remember the Barbenheimer. Maybe we can't remember exactly what year it was. Like, hey, what year yeah. was that? But we'll remember those movies together. I don't think... Like, I don't know if you feel the same way. There's a famous quote in Seinfeld when the show ended that Jerry said to to the team that there he goes, when anyone thinks of the one of us, they're going to think of the four of us. I, I don't know if you can think about Barbie without Oppenheimer and Oppenheimer without Barbie now. Like, even no, though it, they're completely unrelated be, movies. It will be like a pop culture trivia question for years to come, mm-hmm. like, you know, and they will forever be linked. Yeah. Inexplicably. So, yeah. So props to Nate on that one. So to my pick on on The Flash... Yeah, I, I was never into. I didn't think like the Flash was gonna be <laughs> flashy, <laughs> um, but like the Ezra Miller thing was so such a big deal. Everything at the end of 2022, right? Like all, all he was he was going kind of nuts. It's funny to look back now a year later and it's been so quiet from that side now. Well, it's weird. He never did the talk show circuit, but I believe he was at the red carpet. So that's the thing. So if you if you flash for if you flash back now a year ago. We were really in the height of like, what the fuck is Ezra Miller doing? Did he just kidnap these people, this girl? And where mm-hmm. is he? And are, why aren't the cops getting involved? It's so funny now to look back at this pick. I'm like, why did I make this pick? Because it's so, so much has changed. And you're right. 
they didn't do what I anticipated. I was like, how can you have this movie where he is the, he's the star, he is the focal point, and he didn't do the circuit, he didn't do the interviews, and obviously he did make an appearance at the premiere. And they let him talk to press, but I'm sure they they let him talk to press, but that was minimal. Yeah. And and I think the movie, I don't know if I don't know if you call it bombed, but like. I think it would have. I'm. I think almost the uh, studio could have done better had they allowed Ezra Miller to do the talk show circuit because it would have been a shit show, and then people would have been even more interested. I thought that's what was going to happen. That's why I said most anticipated. I was wrong. They they let him kind of wither away, and then no one really saw this movie. No one really talked about this movie, and it's honestly at this point kind of forgotten already so i don't know what, how you feel about it you did you see the flash and, and what you thought about it i did and i oddly liked it quite a bit um it, yeah. it came at a weird time too because by the time the movie was released in theaters not at the time by the way episode 198 is uh the 2023 movie preview show if you want to go back and listen to our picks but by the time the movie came out dc had already announced like a changing of the guard to james mm-hmm. gunn and a full reboot coming so that obviously i think hurt some of the box office for this because people assumed like oh well the movie probably sucks if they're already like canning all their future plans yeah i did like the movie but it is really really hard to separate artists from art in this situation um and for me it might have been a big nostalgia kick just because keaton was it the batman's like getting that that probably was it yeah Yeah. if i'm being honest and then i'm sure you we've talked i won't spoil it if no one here's seen it but like the cameo at the very end of the. well that's what that's why i said the batman's i didn't want anything to like be said but yeah it's I, I I understand why I made like looking back I I'm like that is a dumb pick but I understand why I made the pick I am just shocked the studio I think it was like you said the DC transition DC made a point I think they said we're not gonna fuck around with Ezra Miller we're just gonna let the movie play out let it happen and we're gonna move on and so I I thought the opposite was gonna happen I thought they were gonna be like no press is bad press and right. uh, let's <laughs> let's get let's get crazy with it and they did not so I don't think the Flash ended up being um, it went out with a whimper, not with a bang. In the theme of The Flash, there's a multiverse out there where, in a different timeline, they basically just fed Ezra Miller to the wolves and said, fuck it, do every interview you want. They can ask you whatever they want. It'll yeah. get, we'll probably go see this when it come, the movie when it comes out. I, 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 that's, I really think it would have been more successful, but maybe at this point DC didn't need that and they didn't care for that. So They might have been like, your reputation can't get any more work. <laughs> right. Or tarnished. And, and is, it, it, is it really hurting them at that point or is it just hurting Ezra Miller? It's Ezra Miller's lawyers who are like, please stop talking. Yeah. <laughs> Every word you say gets harder for us. Yeah. So how right. about you? My most anticipated, I, have, I had a series of movies that ended in X. I had Fast X and Saw X. <laughs> and then I also mentioned The Strangers, but that actually ended up getting pushed to uh, this year, which was kind of a recurring theme on here. There was a couple that didn't come mm-hmm. out. Um, for Fast X, I'm the probably the last guy still holding the Fast and Furious flag on this podcast. Everyone else is deserving. In the world. Probably. And <laughs> I really wanted, I actually came up with, do you remember the tagline I came up with? for the Yeah. Movie? How can I forget? So it's Fast X, yeah, Fast 10. And I said, if they don't use the tagline Fast Fast 10 your seatbelts, I'm out on the franchise. Well, they didn't use it, but I'm still in on the They're saving it for Fast 11 your seatbelts. Don't worry. That would, the only thing that would be better than Fast 10 your seatbelts is Fast 11 your seatbelts. Yeah. I would actually love. What other reason would they have not to use it? How much respect would you have for them if they did that? Fast 11 your seatbelts. You're like, you didn't do it for the one that made sense. (laughs) Like, Honestly, but that's 
the franchise is such a gimmick anyway now. I wouldn't even put it past them. Um, and then Saw X, Cycle and I actually did a yeah. spoilers review on it. Go check it out if you're a Saw fan. You and I. Hit of the year for us, by the way. Yeah, absolutely love this movie. And we Good were at, we're, we're the big Saw heads, but I think we we're both kind of at the point where we go in all these movies almost like a, a beaten puppy where we're like scared to get our hopes up and a little bit yeah. um, hesitant to get too excited. But this one knocked it out of the park. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> Sho- like, honestly, shockingly. Like, I... I I think if you had told me a, year, a flashback a year, how are you feeling about Ezra Miller? How are you feeling about Oppenheimer? And he told me, hey, Saw X is not only going to fulfill your expectations, but like surpass them. I would have been like, okay, dude. <laughs> like, I would not, I would like, I'll be there opening night. Yeah. But don't lie to me. <laughs> um, it was just, for especially for the Saw movies, as much as we love them, they're not well, well made movies with good scripts. And this one, it was like, holy shit, this looks like a script that has actually, uh, as people take passes at it, they've improved the character development and the dialogue to the point where it's like a legitimately good movie. We, if you if you listen to our spoilers uh, review, I, I think I literally say, for the first hour, it's just a good movie. It's not even a <laughs> Saw movie. You're like intrigued by the plot, the characters. You're like, there wasn't any track. You're like, huh. I was, oh, yeah. what's happening? I think I said on there, what is this character development doing in my Saw movie? <laughs> yes, you did. I had to say that. All right, next category we had was our biggest sleepers. The two that you had, both kind of mind fucks. You had the Ari Aster, Bo is Afraid, mm-hmm. with Joaquin Phoenix. And then you had Knock at the Cabin, which we also did a spoilers review for. So how do you feel about these? Yeah, a little underwhelmed on these. I think Knock at the Cabin, I think we were, you and I were kind of feeling like, okay, maybe M. Night's coming back a little bit. We both enjoyed Old. I know, like, a lot of people, I think Old is very, um, my wife did not like Old. Um, I, I, again, it was very M. Night. And so you and I were like, okay, maybe he's coming back a little bit. Um, I, I think you and I, like, enjoyed Knock at the Cabin. Um, yeah. Batista, I think, was great. I, I think the performances were really well done. Um, I don't think it moved the needle, though. Like, when I said, you know, like, I, I don't think it really changed anything. I don't think it was, like, an M. Night's back in here to stay type thing. Um, but I did enjoy it, right? Like, I didn't, I, I did watch it again with my wife, and she liked it much more than old. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, so, and then Tabo is afraid. Well, you know, when we talked about it in January last year, so, you know, I'll say this again if you didn't listen to last year's episode. I love Ari Aster. Like he's fucked. I love fucked up movies. Hereditary and Midsummer. Midsummer is one of my top movies of all time. Uh, Hereditary is one of those fucked up movies, and in, top, in my top 100 as well. Um, and he just makes original movies that really stick in your core uh, once the movie ends. So this one, we didn't know. They they were almost like hiding everything from us, right? Like they didn't tell us anything. And the title change. Remember, it was initially Disappointment Boulevard. Yes, that's right. right. Yeah, and. And I remember then you get the runtime, and the runtime's like three hours plus. Yeah. And th- we so this was before I knew anything of what the all we know is like it's like Joaquin Phoenix, who's also an incredible actor who's kind of fucked up. I was like, oh my God, these two together, what are we gonna get? And what we ended up getting was not anything what I anticipated. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think Bo is afraid is a really weird. Uh, bizarre, fucked up movie on its own uh, has really strange elements and themes. Uh, I think a lot of people out there loved it. A lot of people didn't. It is not a typical Ari Aster. It's not a horror. Um, I think he wanted to kind of probably do something else, but at the time we didn't know that. 
And I didn't get the hype. Like he's built up this reputation between Hereditary and Midsummer. But because he delivered something that wasn't in that realm, not saying he needs to be typecast, he doesn't. But with Joaquin Phoenix and a three-hour runtime, it, it really didn't hold up. I think it made $35 million. Uh, well, or, and know. here's how fucking weird it is. Let me just read you the genres that it's listed at on um, Wikipedia. Surrealist, tragic, comedy, horror film. Yeah, it has a penis monster at the end. Um, spoilers. Sorry, I know you're like used to seeing penis monsters. Well, I think that's pretty that. obvious from me. Yeah, um, it's... It, it, it's i don't know like it's it's i don't even know where i put it i don't it's a, it's a chore to watch um i understand what he was going for and 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 then things of that nature but again going in blind in january and having ari aster and joaquin phoenix on a project it, i was a little disappointed it wasn't exactly what i was hoping for i still haven't got to check this one out because that like you said 179 minute runtime is getting to me scaring me i off. don't know if i think you did <clears throat> I, I think you I may I mean give it a shot if you want to, but I enjoyed Hereditary. I loved Midsommar, but Ari Aster is one of those directors where it's almost like he, he is like perpetually pushing the envelope more and more with each of his films to the point where I'm like, you're a great auteur filmmaker, but these might just be over my head. I was like, just go back to horror, dude. <laughs> he should. Maybe he will next. Who knows? Uh, my two sleepers, I had Barbie. And I had The Killer, which is the David Fincher, Michael Fassbender mm-hmm. Netflix movie. I'll talk about Barbie first. I remember Killed saying... Barbie, I mean. I got a little lucky with this because I think originally before we got a trailer, and I don't know if we had one by January yet, but we... Because this project looked totally different, if you remember, before its current iteration. Amy Schumer was attached to write yeah. and star. Ugh. It was going to be a very like meta take on the character, which this still is, but I think... More so in the sense of like uh, dealing with like body image a lot more. Yeah. Did you see? It was also Gal Gadot after Amy Schumer. It was like, dude, they oh, really? really, they, I think they got like getting Margot Robbie. Like that's they got lucky. They could have had two disasters. Yeah, they were kind of all over the place there. Um, but with Greta Gerwig attached, and I think we had the teaser trailer where it's like the little girl like smashing her like doll, yeah. whatever on the ground. I think I was just really intrigued by this because it felt like it was very self-aware of what the property of Barbie was. And Greta Gerwig, to me, like I've, I've really enjoyed a lot of her work like Lady Bird um, and Little Women. And I feel like she is because she can deliver a message, be a little bit uh, self-referential and not like super pretentious with what she's trying to yeah. say. Like not make it so beating you over the top of the head that you're like, dude, we fucking get it. Um, and I think she obviously like the success of the movie has bared that out that she yeah. kind of this one out of the park. I think another thing we I remember last year talking about the only thing I had seen too was that like image of Ryan Gosling and Margot Robbie in the like the platinum green and pink like rail, rollerblading uh, down Venice Boulevard or uh, right uh, and uh, or Venice Beach I mean and I mean that was like the one image we had from the movie too like. Mm-hmm. And again, we didn't know the Oppenheimer thing. We didn't know any of this going in, right? Like it was, it was a good pick by you, man. That because that movie, I think, f- like I mean, destroyed expectations. There's no yeah, way they expected it to do what it did. No, it's it's the surprise of the year, right? I, yeah, and it, was it rated R? No, I don't think so. Okay. Either way, because my, my my nieces went to it. Oh, nice. <clears throat> but yeah, a huge surprise. Then the killer, 
so I think I ha- had a realization this year that I uh, am not as big a David Fincher fan as I thought I was because I got 20 minutes into this and I had to just it was losing me. It's a little bit of a parody on like the assassin genre because Michael Fassbender is like narrating over him his like actions the entire time, but he's also like sort of the unreliable narrator. Like there's one part it's like unintentionally comedic, but it, it was not working for me. He, there's okay. a scene where he's like, "I'm an unstoppable assassin," and like his gun like jams, but it's not. It, they don't play it for laughs, but I'm like, but what he's saying doesn't match what I'm seeing on the screen. Should I be laughing? It's almost like Coen Brothers humor. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, yeah. I, I just couldn't, I, get, couldn't get through it. I don't know. David Fincher, I feel like 20 years ago, 25. I don't know. I really liked him, but like, I feel like also it's not as like, because I love David Fincher from like 1995 to like early or later 2000s. I think like it ends at social network for me. Yeah, like. Because didn't he do, let's see. I'm not, I'm not even a big fan of Zodiac, if I'm being honest. I did love Gone Girl, which was, I think, yeah. later on. Um, but again, that's kind of, you know. Using... I tried Mindhunter, couldn't get into it. Oh, know. really? You didn't like Mindhunter? Oh. It was a little slow. I mean, you have like Fight Club 7 iconic films, just like yeah. in my top. I haven't even gotten to either of those films in my top 100. Um, you ever watch The Game? Yeah, I liked the game. I only, I only watched it because of uh, Neil Patrick Harris, or Barney saying yeah. it and How I Met Your Mother. Yeah. The I have the game. game. Keep you guessing thriller starring <laughs> Michael Douglas and Sean yeah, like, yeah, I but I do feel like, I don't know. I haven't watched this. I was intrigued. I saw the trailer for it on Netflix. Like, I might check it out, but I don't feel as, like, motivated as I used to with some of his stuff. Yeah, and I could see someone at home saying like, "Well, fuck you, horns! If you didn't even finish the movie, like, how can you?" And like, okay, that's yeah, fair. That's fair. Yeah. But I couldn't get through it because it was just not working for me. And again, Fincher is still a brilliant filmmaker, but like a lot of his stuff lately, I just it's not as it hasn't been like as interesting to me. It, his aesthetic still looks really cool, but he just has lost me with a couple of his. Yeah. All right, last what one. Was a, what was Nate's picks out of curiosity? So I didn't have his biggest sleepers. He had texted oh, okay. in. It was just you and I on the show. Okay. But I do have his biggest flops, the last category. Okay. His biggest flops. First off was 80 for Brady. Okay. <laughs> and you and I were just basically like, who is this for? Because Who is young, it for? I young still people, don't know. <laughs> right. Sports <laughs> fans aren't watching this. And like, if, if you're going for the 80-year-old woman demographic, like the – Title and marketing alone is very NFL centric. I feel like that might scare them away. Yeah, it made forty million at the box office, which is pretty crazy. That's insane because I think it also had a day and date release on Peacock. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's still not good. It definitely didn't turn up. Like the budget was twenty eight million, but I, everyone needs twenty eight million to make eighty for Brady. Yeah, but also people need to. This is a big misnomer. Like when people talk about if a movie's successful or not. Even though it made more than its budget, that's not it's net tough. success. This does not account for – there's a lot of things that a movie's budget does not account for. It doesn't account for the marketing. It doesn't account for, our, like, distribution and all that kind of thing. So at $28 million, they actually talk about there's a lot of movies that were made over $100 million that are actually busts. Yeah, I've heard what, a movie has to double its budget to break even. At least, yeah. Um, it's, again, the the wider, the bigger, like it's it's difficult. So like, if you ever are saying like, oh wait, they made forty million dollars, it was cost twenty eight million. They made they made twelve million on this movie. No, they probably lost a fuck ton on this movie actually. Yeah. So like, the budget is purely in the making of the movie. It's right. Fun. So it would be like cast acting. Yeah. 
production. It doesn't factor in the marketing, which oftentimes, like for depending on the movie, the marketing sometimes more than the actual production. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. Then Nate's you get a other that plays for yourself plays for itself. Yeah, that's true. Nate's other flop, and this will be interesting if you and I feel like this was a flop. It was the Super Mario Brothers movie, which I think uh, we, were yeah, all, yeah. we were all very nervous with the Chris we Pratt were nervous, but casting. This was I kind think, of a surprise. This how was, good it was. This was a hit. This was uh, un, un, I get why Nate picked it, um, but yeah, this was a hit. Whether you liked it or not, like this, this, this made over a billion dollars. Um. The, the the movie it was, was pretty obviously, good too. Yeah, it was good. It it didn't it it just it. I think you and I had a review of this. It just kind of like let you in. It didn't cause. It didn't do anything special, but it didn't do anything to like cause frustration or uh, like be like that movie sucked. I think Nintendo was so nervous about reintroducing its IP into cinema again yeah. that they played it really safe and vanilla. Vanilla is not necessarily a bad thing. Who doesn't like vanilla ice cream? It's fine. It's not gonna like wow you. But like my nieces fucking love the movie. I enjoyed it. Like it, it was much better. We were nervous about it. I get why Nintendo played it cool and simple. Now we're gonna get we're gonna get what Marvel did with Nintendo I want, IP. I want the Smash Bros. extended universe. But we're only gonna get it once we get like the Yoshi movie, the Zelda movie. Like it's gonna be like it, it's gonna yeah. be you know we're we're gonna see Nintendo go all in on this. But yeah, but. You make over a billion dollars. And I think a Star Fox movie would be awesome God, to see. Uh, yeah, this one was a huge surprise. I still don't like some of the voice cast. Like, I still don't totally buy Pratt as Mario. And I no. Rogan as Donkey Kong, I, I'm not. Seth Rogen totally is just Seth Rogen. They I know. do a voice. <laughs> but uh, Anya Taylor-Joy's Peach was perfect. Jack Black as Bowser really worked for me. And, and uh, uh, Kiki Michael Key, actually, I thought was pretty good yeah. as Toad. Like, I did too. I, I didn't even notice that was him. Like, if I didn't know that was him, I, I like, wouldn't have. And like you said on the uh, preview show, Daniel Day-Lewis as Yoshi. Yeah. <laughs> nice little cameo at the end. Uh, end credit scene. <laughs> he came out of retirement. <laughs> He's just too committed as an actor. He's been method acting as Yoshi on some island in, off the coast of Ireland. That's where he's been for 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> Waiting for this role. All right, Cycle, your two biggest flops. Uh, the Hunger Games, Ballad of Songbirds or whatever the fuck that is. And then <laughs> Wonka. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think I have a room for debate. And I was wrong about Wonka, mainly because I was... I, I, I just never... I've like watched Charlie in the Chocolate Factory and Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory like... I personally haven't like liked those films, but I've never. I know you are a big defender of them, and I've just never been into the franchise, I guess. And I was thinking, like, okay, we're getting a prequel now, a lot of CGI and things of that nature. I wasn't sure that people would be on board, but I was wrong. Like, I mean, well, dude, um, people enjoyed it too. Like, it, I mean, obviously, didn't know how good it was going to be, but everything I've heard about it is that it actually was a good movie. Yeah, it, I, I liked it quite a bit. Um, I didn't love it, but I did like it quite a bit. It got a little bit lucky and a little bit skill here. It released, shockingly, this Christmas, there was hardly any real competition at the box office for it. There wasn't that many, like, family Christmas movies this year. Like, yeah, so hey, I let's it, all go and take the kids. Right, so it playing, un, un, of course, unlike the Tim Burton one, to a uh, more as like a four-quadrant movie that you take the family to was really smart and probably the main reason that it did well at the box office. Um, so, and then th I think this is up for debate whether or not the new or prequel Hunger Games was a success. It's, it made about 315 million, which is a good number. I think it had a quite a hot, again, going back to the budget discussion versus box office. 
that is a good number. I think that's a little higher than I expected. However, the worst Hunger Games movie of the original four made like six hundred and fifty million. Yeah. Um, so not even scratching half of what the original movies did. I, I stand by this pick. Not again. It did better than I, I anticipated, but I don't think I don't recall. And I, I think it got good reviews too. It's not like this movie was like panned. I just don't think clearly having a good movie. The interest wasn't highly there. I think Harry Potter has struggled with it with the Fantastic Beast franchise. The first one did really well, and it's kind of like staggered off afterwards. Um, I don't know. I don't know what your viewpoint on this movie. I don't. I don't think you've seen it. I haven't seen it, but. It's in that like kind of awkward like is it good enough to keep going or did this kind of like see this kind of gauge interest and it just wasn't fully there? Yeah, it's interesting because similar to Harry Potter, I feel like as the group that like was originally around as the books were being released or the demographic has sort of aged out, they've tried to keep the IP alive. And I know there have been more books with the Hunger Games, but it's like, all right, is this for the group that went to go see the Katniss Everdeen version of the movies and read yeah. the books, or are we trying to reboot this for a different audience? And um, Rachel Ziegler, who plays the main character, she had a little bit of controversy. I, did she get fired from the Snow White movie, or was that just like a rumor? Yeah, I can't remember exactly what happened, but I don't think it was firing because they wouldn't want to say it like that. Well, her being attached to this, um, I, I don't really know if that moved the needle positive or negative for people, but at least she was in the news. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. It depends on the cost of these movies, but I feel like they're probably solid bets to make, you know, 450 million every time they come out. Can they keep the production budget from ballooning to the point where it doesn't really make sense? And then how much, you know, they're going to milk blood from a stone with all these franchises until they're not lucrative anymore. They'll they won't stop. But yeah, exactly. Yeah, I wasn't like a huge fan of the original ones. I like the first two Hunger Games movies. I never read any of the books. The concept is interesting to me, but it's they sort of like themselves. Yeah, they do. It's sort of like di the Divergent series where it's like after you get past the initial concept, you just kind of recycle the same tropes in the next yeah. two movies. The budget was $100 million, so it probably profited $100 million. Yeah, it's like the Saw movies. It's like you can pump it out as long as it's churning a, pro a true profit. They'll, they'll keep doing it. But I, I think to me I, what I stand by and I, what I think I said last year is I don't think the intrigue in that franchise is, is high any, as high as it used to be. Yeah. I don't know who owns the IP. I can't remember what studio it was, but I would imagine if, you know, as with all these studios, when they go look at their intellectual property, like, all right, what do we have that we can dust off and yeah. try and get? Cause oh, I'm not so, saying don't make more. They will, but yeah. And I don't, I mean, I have no idea what the books, do you know if this is like part of like a prequel trilogy? I have absolutely no idea. I, I, I read the original three. Um, I liked them like, I mean, they were kind of simple in nature and I, I like the stories um and they peaked i mean it was obviously like what harry potter started with the young adult like yeah you know there was a lot like you, you mentioned divergent there was a bunch of these twilight all that kind of stuff like it, the writing was fine it was good i liked it but it got like okay i'm like how many times am i gonna see the same thing happen um it, it, i guess this story is cool because it shows the origination of the hunger games um but prequels, we, we, we've always talked on this pod, how difficult, why prequels are so hard to succeed. Because you know the story, right? Yeah. So you know you know why it happens, how it happens, Star Wars, um, when we're watching the prequel. So it's like you fulfill, you have the already an expectation in your head of what it's supposed to look like. And when it doesn't, you feel like you're disappointed. And so do they make a, tr a trilogy out of this? I don't know, because 
I mean, they might make it for money purposes, but story-wise, I don't know what it offers. Yeah, and again, like I said, I, if they can, the key with all these is if you can do the prequel like years later or like the legacy sequel, and you can, you need to get the younger demo into it as well because our age group is not going to be able to support these franchises on our own anymore. We're we're olds. We don't make yep. it out to the theater as much. All right, my flops, I went 0 for 2, I think, pretty much based on any metric you use. The first one was Scream 6. You and I loved this movie. Yeah, we did. The reason I was worried was the fast track of the production of it. Yes, how, you are right. How quickly they pumped it out. And you and I, again, it's I have PTSD from Saw, <laughs> where they're in pre-production on one movie while they're still in post-production yeah, on the next like, well, one. Well, we just finished the first one. <laughs> um. But Scream 6 blew me away, man. It was awesome. I'm sad that the franchise is pretty much done now, I feel like, because of things that have nothing to do with it. It will movies. come back in five or ten years. Like there, there, There's obvious reasons right now that they need to take a step back. Otherwise, it's going to be they're going to shit on themselves. Yeah, I mean, Ghostface himself just dropped out of the movie. So <laughs> as we talk, I love that tweet. But <laughs> yeah, Scream 6 was awesome. Blew me away. This is you and I have talked about it. Saw is. Maybe my favorite horror franchise, but Scream, I think every movie factored in is the best horror franchise. Oh, consistently. And I don't even really think it's close. Like, it, the, I don't think it Scream is. Scream movie is still pretty good. Yeah. Scream, th- Scream 3, I think it's con- universally rated as the worst one. Maybe some people like it out there more than others, but that's still a pretty decent movie, right? And it, you're... And again, in a horror and horror franchises in general, like even some of the great ones, like Halloween, things like that, have some sh- just terrible movies. Is Scream Three the one with um, Emma Roberts, or is that the one on the set of the movie that they're making? This is set of the movie. Okay, yeah, that one's still solid. Yeah, it's fine. And yeah. then my other one was Dungeons and Dragons. Um, and the reason you and I talked about this, I have never played D anD I'm very mm-hmm. interested in it and in that world. Um, and I think if I ever did play it and took the time to learn how to do it, I would love it and probably become obsessed with it. And I think you kind of echoed the same thing on the preview yeah. show. The reason I didn't think this movie would do well was all the marketing for it. It's played basically as like a comedy adventure. Like Chris Pine is chewing the scenery, yep. having a blast with it. And I think uh, my fear was that the Dungeons and Dragons community would feel like they were being poked fun at yeah. or like they were being alienated with this movie. But I had, don't have the exact number in front of me, but I remember this thing doing pretty well at the box office yeah. at the point that they announced a sequel pretty quick after it came out. So I, I've, I think I mentioned last year, actually, some of our friends, me and my wife had moved uh, to a new state a few years ago. And some of the friends that we made here actually played D&D. My wife and I have never played with them. But, you know, they, they're not like I used to think if you played D&D or like that, like really, really nerdy, like kind of socially awkward type. Um and these people are like completely, you know, just normal, right? Like they, they, they know how to poke fun of themselves. So I think originally when you're, what, to your point about it, kind of like being silly and about do D&D fans feel like they're the butt of the joke. I think D&D fans, at least the ones I've met, are very socially aware of like that side of it. So I don't think they minded it. It goes to your point. I actually watched this movie um, on an airplane because mm. I, as someone who, hasn't been into D or good airplane watch yeah i was like killing time you know and it was fine it was fun um it was it wasn't anything special or unpredictable no um but no i enjoyed it, it was entertaining and uh 
so I, I yeah I think I don't think you were wrong by any means in terms of like why you picked it I think every every reason you mentioned uh, is accurate but I think there is an audience out there that does this finds that for pure entertainment so I just looked it up it had a hundred and fifty million dollar budget and it made two hundred and eight at the box office so, so that's, that's not too great that's yeah okay. that's, that's not a roaring success but <clears throat> better than. Think, I think it did do pretty well on Paramount Plus, which is where it came afterwards. Oh, and again, I think so Paramount, this and Sonic the Hedgehog are kind of like their two IPs going right now. So I would imagine they'll try and get another. Um, so it it so Hunger Games did better, obviously. On a, I'm a surprise that the budget for this was fifty million dollars higher than Hunger Games. Than the wait, the the budget for D and D was. Yeah. Oh you said wow. 150 million was the yeah. budget. See that's the thing. That's crazy. If, if it balloons that high, man, you're just putting yourself into painting yourself into such a corner. Yeah. So they're saying again. What my point earlier? I'm looking, reading Wikipedia. The 208 million dollars worldwide falling short of its break-even point. So that's Ugh. that's the. So you that that means that minimum 70 million dollars was put into marketing. So yeah. I think I think you had an accurate one there. That's a that's a good call. Okay. Um, any honorable mentions or anything you didn't get to talk about? And again, we, we can do our top 10 list later, so don't feel like you need to like rank the movies you saw this year. But was there anything, at least off the top of your head, that you saw yeah. in 2023 that doesn't fit into any of these but just has to be talked about? <laughs> there was a couple of movies that, like, it's funny. I look back, I was like, I actually watched Renfield, Renfield which I didn't think I'd like, I like or Renfield, I was interested yeah. in. And I had fun. Like, it was streaming. I had fun with it. I was like, it, it was silly. Um, it was like John Wick meets vampires. Um, cocaine bear we watched that this year that was a 2023 movie almost yeah. needed more bear it tried too hard way to more movie. bear yeah <laughs> um um yeah but there, i mean there's a ton of movies that we can talk about um it's funny that like i look at like renfield and i was like oh man that was actually much better than i thought and then i watched napoleon and i was like oh that wasn't as good as i had hoped <laughs> like you know as in going in with low expectations or high expectations and how, how that really impacts you yeah, uh, Renfield was, I had, I had a blast with it. Um, all right, two that I'll mention before we give out our awards. The movie Past Lives came out. This was maybe the best trailer I saw. In, it, the biggest gap between how much I loved the trailer and how much I hated the movie. The trailer plays as like this melodramatic romance movie of like growing up and loss and, and drifting apart from your friends, which always strikes a chord with me. And I'm like, God, yeah. fuck yes. Can I was like literally counting down the days till this came out in theaters. <laughs> I went to go see it. And the two main, no spoilers for it, but the two main characters in it have like no connection at all throughout the movie. You never feel anything between them. I, not only am I not rooting for them to succeed, I'm actually just like, stop trying to make this work. <laughs> you guys don't like each other. So that was kind of a, a bummer for me. And then, um, Again, Broskers are coming up. Top 10 lists are coming up. I will just say this. The movie Missing, which came out early in the year in January, um, the sequel to Searching, cycle just cements mm -hmm. for me. The screen life genre, I think, is the coolest fucking thing to happen to movies since, like, animatronic dinosaurs. And I, I really didn't think... Life. When I first saw that, I would be like, oh, I don't think that was for me. And then I just, you just watch a couple of these movies. And like, once you get over that in the first five or 10 minutes at the beginning, it's like, you're like, okay, I'm in. It just lends itself to so many like creative ways for a director to like utilize technology. Oh, I yeah. just love them. I, I, I don't I think I've, that. I think I've seen about five screen life movies. I've seen, um, 
Fuck, what are the ones where they're all on Skype together? The the fr- um, Unfriended? Unfriended. Dude, Love both of those. Love I thought Searching. those movies, what I saw previously, were going to be the shittiest. Like, oh my god. The the second one actually is with the the dark web. Yep. So good. I can't believe I like those movies. Like, I would never have thought that. <laughs> they're awesome. Uh, so, uh, Missing. Highly, highly recommend it. And then Past Lives. I mean, again, watch the trailer. You'll be, like, crying at the end of the minute and a half. And then go watch the movie, and you'll be crying 20 minutes in, but for totally different reasons. Because you want the thing to fucking end. <laughs> But at, at least we got a trailer that's different from a movie because at the day nowadays you just get the whole movie in the trailer and you're like I don't even need to see this anymore. Yeah, some on YouTube now I'll see a trailer that's like two minutes forty seconds and I'm like, why do we need that long? No, like stop. A just go back to teaser trailers for real. Pretend like you're buying a Super Bowl spot and we're, you're not gonna like waste too much. Of my <laughs> Thirty time. seconds, boom. Exactly. All right, I have three. We can do this part rapid fire because I don't want to spoil the Broskers or really our top ten list. But I have three awards I want to give out to movies. Cycling. I don't know how many you have because I know we kind of did this last minute as the as an idea. But do you want to go first with anything you can make up the award to give to a movie from twenty twenty three that you saw? Make up the award. No, you you go. Let me think about this. <laughs> okay. Uh, the weirdest movie that I saw by far. I mean, you can predict what this is. Yes. I recently saw it. Saltburn. Yeah, Saltburn's on mine, and I feel like you and I could talk about this here a little well, bit. Well, yeah, so. I think we will in a second in Protein Shake. Now, don't get me wrong, I liked Saltburn quite a bit, probably more than a healthy, healthy functioning human being should, but uh, if you were to buy the DVD of Saltburn and it had, like, the quick, like, blurb from Jeff Hornacek on, like, the front of it as to <laughs> my thoughts on it, it would just say, what the fuck? Yeah, this is where you might do actually need to watch uh, Bo is Afraid. Because <laughs> this is, they're both up there for different reasons. Penis monster, like I said. So d- penises are just kind of the motif then of today's episode. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Why do we, we always should, end up talking about penises? So uh, we should actually probably like have that like as the screen cap for this uh, episode, just a penis. <laughs> I'll make sure when I'm tagging the video on YouTube, like <laughs> keywords, I'll add penis and different variations yeah, yeah. of Oh, I bet you it'll be a very highly rated episode. <laughs> <laughs> so many people searching for this. Um, all right, do you want me to do another one? Or do you have yeah. one? Okay. A uh, movie that I'm embarrassed to say I loved. It was called Xmas, but X is spelled E-X, like your ex-boyfriend or girlfriend. Oh. This was on Freevee, formerly IMDb TV, where when my wife and I would turn on our fire stick, it was like advertised around Christmas time on like the main page forever. And finally, one night, we it like accidentally started playing the preview of it. And Leighton Meester is in this, as well as Stephen Amell. And we kind of laughed a little bit. And I was like, fuck it. You just want to watch this? <laughs> and it's like an hour, 20 minutes. And it was like one of my favorite uh, movies of the year. Maybe not, like, maybe not like in my top 10, but like wh- whatever you expected Xmas to be, it exceeded the expectations. Okay. I might need to check that out. The plot is like classic ridiculous, like Leighton Meester and Stephen Amell. Um, you don't find out why till later in the movie, so I won't spoil it. But they recently broke off an engagement. And Leighton Meester is just having a rough time. Like she doesn't have a lot of family in her life that are, you know, still alive or close to her. So when Stephen Amell goes home for Christmas, psychically, he's shocked, even though he broke off his engagement with her. His parents love her so much that they invited her to Christmas. Oh, no, they didn't. You can't do that. Ah, mom and dad, come on. And they didn't tell him because they were like, well, we knew you wouldn't come. <laughs> so the movie takes off from there, but it actually it was pretty enjoyable. That's funny. I don't know if I have one that like I didn't 
I mean, there were a couple of movies that I didn't have a high expectation for. I already mentioned Renfield and, and Cocaine Bear and things. But, like, I, I pretty much had, I don't think anything sh- shocked me this year. Uh, like, um, in, in, a, in a going in with zero expectations and really enjoying it. Like, I, I may, maybe I'm missing one, but that's a good category. I need to think a little harder about that. Yeah, I think later, like, after we've had more time to digest, maybe even post-Broskers, we can do an episode where we do, like, um, the movies that like didn't get mentioned at the Broscars, we give them like achievement yeah. awards or participation trophies. I do have one more, and I don't know if you knew that this actually came out in 2023, because you and I not only watched it, I think we devoted an entire episode to talking about it. And it's called The Movie That's So Bad, It's Not Even Fair. And on my top <laughs> 100 movies list, this is literally the last ranked movie. It's the 1264th ranked film I've ever seen. Bikini Hackers came out oh, in God. 2023. That was this year. Wow. Yeah, it came it was, out this year, too? <laughs> yes. It was a 2023 Jesus release, Christ. at least according to Letterboxd. So if you are listening to this and you have not heard of or seen Bikini Hackers, <laughs> watch at your Get own risk. off the pod right now and go. <laughs> uh, let me, I'll try and find the episode that you and I actually... I don't know if we reviewed it or we just like had to have like therapy group therapy over it. it has a 1.8 out of 10 on IMDb, which honestly is too high. Well, you know why it's 1.8 because there's fuckers uh, trolls out there put tens on this. Like that's literally only reason why it's at 1.8. Um, all right. It episode, is impressively bad. Cycle episode 205 is called, did we watch the worst movie ever made? Yeah. Yeah. And wow. <laughs> episode 206 should have been guys, called. Yes. And, and just to save you from this, th- I love bad movies. Horns love bad movies. We always like talk about bad movies. This one, I had to, it's literally what, an hour and like 10 minutes. I had to watch in like 10, di- 10 different. Took me, it took me four settings. I couldn't, you can, like, again, it's not like, so it's not like, oh, cannibal Holocaust or a Serbian film where it's just like, I'm going to be so fucked up. You need to take breaks. No, like this movie is like, I don't know. Like, it's just a normal movie. I mean, it's not a normal movie. It's just it's so bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, the plot itself isn't like, oh, God, like, they're just like grotesque and graphic. It's like, no, it's just like. It's a girls it's offensive assault. to the senses in ways that I can't even articulate. <laughs> I, can't. I would watch it. It's Again, like you said, it's only like an hour, 10 minutes. I would watch it for like 15 minutes and be like so fatigued at its awfulness that I would pause yes. it and be like. It's only been 15 minutes. Yeah, like life has, it's like the first time I got high. I was like, <laughs> the hell? It feels like it's been years. I'm never going to know what it's like to not be high anymore. And it's like, bro, it's been five minutes. Calm down. <laughs> like that I met your mother where they're at the concert <laughs> baked and they're walking around, I think, hours. Lily ago. doesn't know I'm high. <laughs> Says it too, Lily. <laughs> You're what? Yeah, so oh, sorry. I, I had to mention that. Um, I didn't. Did. So we we have a Brosco Award for worst movie of the year. I didn't nominate Bikini Hackers for it because it's, it's too not fair. Right. It would be if like LeBron showed up to like a middle school game. Like, of course he's going to dominate them. Like, it, we. I want to talk about like actual movies that were released that people like go out and see for that award, not Bikini Hackers. Who would again? Is it's beneath it to even compete? In I, the- I have a whole list of movies I've seen this year, and I, 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 I maybe maybe I'm just so like sophisticated. I don't watch bad movies, like. There were some movies I didn't enjoy, but like I think I'm looking at this list. I'm like 65 might have been my least favorite movie, and it wasn't a bad movie. No, 
I, so like, Banner Banner hates sixty five. Yes, I, I know. Yeah, sixty five. <laughs> it was fine. Like that's why I'm like looking at my list, and maybe I need to. Maybe I've just literally subconsciously forgotten the bad movies I've watched this year. Well, but to be fair now, like there's so many movies out there that uh, like the and you know so much more about them we do now than we used to in the past. Like yeah. The odds of you going to see a movie that you think you might not like is that much that's smaller. true. So a lot I of the watched, bad movies that I watch, like I watch some Lifetime movies I didn't include, are because I do want to see a bad movie. Right, yeah. I guess, I, yeah, I could include the Hallmark movie that was kind of like, I don't even remember the name now, but it was basically like a B-plot of sub, of Ted Lasso. It was a Hallmark Christmas movie um, <laughs> where she falls in love with, she's an American who falls in love with a soccer player and doesn't know he's like a really famous soccer player because she's nice. American. She doesn't know soccer. Um <laughs> There was another movie like I watched on an airplane, The Pope's Exorcist with Russell Crowe. Like, not my type of movie. Not a big Exorcist fan. But I was like, surprised he did that. Yeah, I was too. And I watched a point it on in his airplane. career where I should stop being surprised by his movie. And choice. but uh, yeah, it gets a little ridiculous at the end. But it kept me intrigued. Like the like it was it was not the worst Exorcist movie I've ever seen. So like it was a decent year for movies. Yeah, again, uh, we'll do another episode where we, or we can even do it as like a pseudo protein shake where we want to come back and and yeah. um, go back to it. Uh, all right, that's all we have for the 2023 movie year. Any, I guess, is there like a way you would summarize the the movie year, in general? Yeah, like nothing. It's it, it was a it was a like I talked about with Mario. I think this was a very vanilla year. Mm-hmm. I think we got a lot of good movies i think we got like okay killers of flower moon fucking loved it is it the, is it as good as it you know having scorsese and dicaprio it was good like it's not the best i think everything like saltburn we'll talk about here in a little bit like the movies that are going to win the oscars and, and winning the bafta and golden globes i don't know if any movies outside of barbenheimer because of the cultural impact are going to stick out this year but at the same time to my point I don't know necessarily that this was a bad year for movies. We got some good comedies. We got some good action films. We got John Wick 4. We got all these things. Like, it was an okay, it was a good entertainment year for, for movies. But I don't think it sticks out. What, what's yeah. your final call on 2023? I agree. I think it was a an above average year for movies. As a podcast that started off, like, essentially with our main focus on superhero movies i think it was a, an important year because i think this was the death of the superhero movie happened in yeah that's that's an interesting point marvel bottomed out and dc is completely hitting the reboot button so and, and i think in the long run that will actually be good for the genre in a way there is uh, fatigue there is fatigue we need to like take a break absolutely and i think uh you and i talked about this i don't even know when it was a couple episodes ago but horror which really comes in waves right because when there's a certain type of horror movie that's popular or even just the genre in and of itself has a resurgence we tend to get an oversaturation of those films to where they they sort of cannibalize themselves pun intended and then we get like in the early 2000s remember we had like a bunch of good slashers and like supernatural movies and then kind of died out for a while i think we're kind of back in the slasher portion of horror films which you and i love so that was really fun for me yeah Personally, and I, and I hope that that continues. But again, like all good things, it, it will it won't last forever. So let's enjoy what's happening. We'll hold out to the next strangers and then see what happens next. Yeah, very well said. All right. On to the second part of our show, our protein shake. We talk about what's in our cup, also known as what have we watched lately? Um, I don't have much cycling. I think we share the main one. So I'll let you go first, whatever you want to talk about. What is in your cup? Do we want to start with the main one? 
let's go for it. Why not? Okay. Let's start with Saltburn because I think that's the main thing. Have you have you guys talked about Saltburn on the pod yet? I just want to I was gone last week, so I didn't. Uh, I think Thurmond briefly talked about it, but no one else at the time had seen it. Uh, okay. And then his his description of it, I think, sort of was the impetus for everyone to be like, what the fuck? All right, I need to go watch that. Yeah, I think he got all of us to watch it really quick, like, because uh, he had texted me, too. Um, so, yeah, what, let's talk about Saltburn. Like, we, 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 we can hold off on a more serious conversation with Nate, too, if you want to. But just, you know, uh, thoughts. Um, all right, I guess... I might say some spoilers, so if you haven't seen Saltburn, maybe skip ahead. Like it's hard a- to talk about this movie without it. Yeah. Um, okay, my take on Saltburn. It is incredibly fucked up. It definitely goes for shock value. And I'm not the biggest Barry Keegan fan, but in roles like this where he plays someone who um, is not, like, boisterous, but is still, a, a, like, psychologically fucked up, he is at his best. The Killing of a Sacred Deer is the other movie where he's, like, awesome in. I view this movie as it was going on as almost like, I don't want to say a parody of like uh, movies like the talented Mr. Ripley, where there's like the sociopath who like Mm -hmm. just seemingly knows no ends to his madness. But I almost viewed it as like a commentary on like how ridiculous some of those movies are. And in that way I found it genius and it just really worked for me. And I love the end where it's like almost lampooning like the, well, let's go back and show you how he's actually been setting this up the whole time. Because he's also such a fucking idiot and a genius at the same time. Like when Rosamund Pike comes into that coffee shop and he's planning to reconnect with her and like get her to yeah. sign over her house, he's typing on the document like Nothing. so many letters he does not need to type. Dude, you don't need to do that. <laughs> right. So for me, and again, maybe this isn't the intention of it, it worked as sort of like a, a meta commentary on like this subgenre. Um Emerald Fennel, I loved Promising Young Woman, which I felt also kind of did the same thing about like, uh, like men, like masculine figures in movies who like are always depicted as like, um, like toxically masculine, and like sometimes it's just so overt and over the top that like you lose your audience. That's kind of what I got from Saltburn. But again, the movie's so fucked up that I prob- could completely be missing the point, and also it might just get sort of. Lot like the message might get lost in the way it's delivered because she really goes for it here. And some yeah. people will be like, I can't get the message because this is gross and stupid. It's really interesting. Like, I did not the, the fact that you're calling like to you the way you're interpreting it is fascinating to me because I didn't see it that way. You saw it as a parody, which is like incredible because I totally get what you're saying. Like, I, I think for me, I didn't view it that way because it was really. It, t- it seemed like it was taking itself very seriously. It's like visceral at times, too. Yeah. There are some moments where you, it's almost like if she is playing it as a commentary or like a little bit tongue in cheek, it's like, wow, this you are this is pretty serious for you to be saying it as yeah. a joke. So it's been a while since I've seen. So I, I the, the closest thing I texted to you and I can compare this to was Talented Mr. Ripley, which I, I personally love. Um, I mean, Jude Law, Matt Damon, Philip Seymour Hoffman, fantastic performances. Um Similar concept, right? Matt Damon is just like this poor kid who gets misidentified and then uses that as opportunity to like. And he comes across as like, oh, shucksy doodles guy. Yeah, like, yeah, like he he does it. Obviously, completely different in execution, but similar plot. Um, the movie had me. This is Saltburn itself had me guessing. You understood that Matt Damon from the beginning of Talented Mr. Ripley. If you haven't mm-hmm. seen it, sorry, spoilers, but you should watch it. It's a fantastic film. I believe it won some Oscars or was at least nominated. I think so. Yeah. Um. 
Matt Damon, you know, from the beginning is up to something like, cause you can see him manipulating sir. like on yeah. his way to Europe, you know, he's, he's nefarious, himself. even yeah. though you're oddly rooting for him. Cause he is like, so unassuming. Yeah. He's your guy. But like this one, you know, you don't know his Oliver's character. I mean, I remember fundamentally being like, okay, you keep, they keep hinting at like, Oh, Oliver is going to be used by the rich people. Cause remember even the sister was like, Oh, I like you better than last year's. Right. Like, what what's last year's like do they bring a poor person over every year and like a charity project yeah each summer yeah (laughs) um and then so like that was interesting to watch because obviously you don't know if oliver is what he is yet like i there are hints my my i will say the film was a little predictable because i don't think they hide it as well but you are still wondering like what is oliver up to what's really going on is he just someone who has friends his parents suck his dad is dead his mom's a drunk um well, and even when he gets sort of caught up, caught lying about his family situation, I didn't, and, and maybe this is just like a problem with the way I view the world uh, very naively, but I didn't even view it as like him having this as part of a plot. I just viewed it as like he really wanted, what's the main character's name? Played by Jacob Elordi. Felix. Um, no, Felix. Yeah, Felix. I just figured that he really wanted uh, sympathy from Felix and to like still be yeah. his friend. So he lied about that, which is sick and gross. Yeah. But I definitely didn't think it was part of like this. I didn't think he was smart enough to have a master plan, so to speak. Yeah, so that's the thing. I mean, the very moment here's my here's my issue with the movie, and it will be great to get Nate's this uh, opinion on this when he's back on the pod. Is obviously there's a fundamental shift which I kind of really enjoyed in the movie when he's one on one with Rosamund Pike's character, the mom, uh, Elsbeth, and all of a sudden you see him manipulating her. Oliver has been this timid, weak character and boom he has a one on and he starts manipulating her about her friend he's like what if she's faking it what if she's this and like oh okay um so obviously all of a sudden he's sorry what's the line about her friend he's like she died and she goes oh you know her anything for attention anything for attention (laughs) she's dead (laughs) say that she's dead um (laughs) so you start seeing this fundamental change here's my question to you so he starts being manipulative he clearly has a plan he then goes does what he does to the sister right and, and manipulates her uh, manipulating farley he clearly has a plan in action however he is obsessed with felix bathtub yes. scene right great scene <laughs> that, that's not negotiable <laughs> he is definitely obsessed with um, so here's the thing if felix doesn't find out that he's been lying about his parents okay yeah and felix continues to replicate that re- reciprocate that friendship what is Oliver's end goal? Was his goal always to manipulate and kill the family to get the house? Yeah, that's or, a great question. Because he only started being like, like I mean, he was clearly working the family, but he was clearly obsessed with Felix. So I don't know what what was his end goal if that had never happened. That's where I feel like there's a plot hole. Yeah, like if Felix doesn't basically end the friendship, I don't think he pulls the ripcord like he does. Does he just continue trying to like use the family as like, for job i don't know like that that's kind of where i was lost um but i really enjoyed it i actually i texted nate um at the end of the film when he's running through saltburn naked i was like to be honest with you if i had a mansion like that i would definitely blast some music and run around naked absolutely that was a very realistic scene to me you're not being opportunistic if you don't do that yeah it was fucked up it was a good movie it was a i i enjoyed it um, I think the performances really carried it. it. It felt a little more teen drama-y than like a talented Mr. Ripley kind of thing, if you were going to compare the genre itself. Um, 
I don't even know if it's fair to compare. They're 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 twenty five years old. Like I think that no twenty four. Townsend and Mr. Ripley was nineteen ninety nine. So it's been a long time that I feel like that I've had a movie that made me think like this. I think there are others obviously in the genre, but um, it'll be interesting to see how it does award season. I think it won one or two at the Golden Globes. Yeah, Emerald Fennel. I, I again, I've only seen Promising Young Woman with Carrie Mulligan, so it was cool to see her back in this and this movie. But she is a like she is probably like on my most interested in whatever she does director list right now because both her movies have just normally smart movies like this miss me and I don't enjoy them that much. But I just feel like both of hers I've really I've got if that makes sense, which feels good. Yeah. Or if I didn't get them, I'm convinced myself that I did. And so while I'm an idiot, it's still like I'm the dumb idiot that is just enjoying it because he thinks <laughs> he knows what he's watching. But that's the thing, though. Like, if that's how you interpret that's awesome. Like, let, you know, let that be. That's what artists are supposed to do. Um, by the way, this is disgusting but hilarious. Someone on, like, Instagram made a uh, cocktail for the bathtub water. Oh, God. <laughs> Come like, on. It actually, it actually looks like when you look at what like is in it, it's like, oh, that actually probably tastes really good. But like the whole concept is so fucked so up. Fun. What was more fucked up, fucking the grave or drinking the bath- bathtub water out of curiosity to you? Um, man, that it's close. I will say the grave, but you could talk me into the bathwater thing. Bathwater thing is a very just a, a sexual kink. Like, yeah, it's disgusting for me to watch that. But I'm like, I don't know if it was it was like Emma Watson's bathwater. I'd probably I don't know. All right, next up. <laughs> uh, do you have another one you want to share? I only have two other ones. Um, really, I'll, I, the other couple of ones are pretty quick. Um, just what what was that movie called? Okay, show called. Um, there's a new show on Netflix. It's like the number one show on Netflix right now, and it was recommended by 99% to us. So we watched the first episode last night. It's called Fool Me Once. Um, on so it's it's so bad we watched one episode we try like i had to convince why we were eating dinner while watching this episode my wife was like please oh yeah this has been popping up for me too everywhere yeah it kept popping up it's like you need to watch this it, it's not that like the concept is bad it's like a, a wife loses her husband and then sees him a few days later on the nanny cam and she's trying to figure out what's going on and her sister had been killed too and like I'm sure the plot is fine, but it's so soap opera-y. The production, the acting, the writing is so over the top, it's distracting. And, like, literally the music, the way they'll say something, and it'll be like, bum, bum. And you're just like, okay. So my wife and I were like, we, we made it through the first episode, and I was like, look, there's 20 minutes left. Let's just do it. We literally said, never again. We just looked up online what happened. Um I don't know. I don't know if it, I never know if Netflix is pumping out numbers or like they're saying it's number one show on Netflix right now. Like you never know what algorithm they're using. Yeah, they're full of shit but a lot of times too. It has it has like seven out of ten on IMDb right now, and I'm like, how? It is again. Maybe it's the plot itself. It's based on a book, so maybe there's something to it that the people who like the book are watching it. But golly, man, it's how it long is these episodes? Good. Are they an hour? An hour. That's and grueling. it is. It is a grueling hour. Again, the concept itself is like, oh, cool, crime drama. Like, why wouldn't I like it? Oof. Not not for me. <laughs> is it, this is a low bar to clear, but is it even worth me reading about what happens? Honestly, like, no, that, that, yes, read about it. That's the but, better plot. But, like, was it even remotely interesting when you read what happened? 
like, yeah, sure, it was fine. I'm like, I read it. I'm like, I'm glad I didn't sit through eight episodes of that to get to this point. Okay. Like, I understand why in a book sense it'd probably be entertaining. And so, like, why the, the plot itself is, like, intriguing enough. But I don't know who produced it. But, it, it, dude, it just feels like you're watching a soap opera. <laughs> so... I would say pass on Fool Me Once. Okay, I'm glad you said that. I, we hadn't been tempted yet to click on it, but every time we log in, it is the first thing that Netflix I, I kind of want down you to watch it at least for the first 20 minutes. Again, it's like it's not like anything is horrible about it. It's just like, <laughs> it's just not worth your time. Okay. <clears throat> um, you want me, you want to go next? Uh, sure, we'll just do like a little tennis here. I saw a movie that came out in 2022. It was a Shudder original, which is... Is, I don't know if Shutter. Do you know? Is it like owned by AMC? Like, is it part of AMC Plus? Yeah, that's. I think you're right. But they actually have a pretty solid reputation for putting out like low budget horror movies, mm-hmm. and this movie was called Influencer. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, it the basic premise of it is, uh, it's kind of hard to say without spo- spoiling it. But basically, an influencer goes to Thailand, like a, a girl who um, her job, quote unquote, is to like use products and and travel to places and post about them on her Instagram, on her social media um, and advertise those products and experiences. And she goes to Thailand and at a hotel, she encounters a few people um, who like befriend her or maybe she has weird encounters with in the first 10, 15 minutes. And then she goes missing and you kind of follow the plot from there. Um, The one thing I want to say about influencer this thing looks fucking incredible. It looks like a Christopher Nolan movie. Like the way it, sh- it like the cinematography alone, I was like, is this a $150 million movie? It looks so good. Really? And the, the acting is way better than you'd think too. So the plot gets, there's like just a basic concept that's interesting, but like the story kind of loses steam in the second act. Like you could tell they were like, oh, fuck, how do we make this an hour, 20 minutes? We're like already out of our ideas. <clears throat> but I really liked it, and I think you as a horror head would like it a lot, too. Okay, yeah. Um, and, and again, visually it looks great. It's just kind of hard to find, because I don't have Shutter, so I rented it from my local library. Let me just put it that way. Okay, yeah, that, I'm in. And it is AMC, you are correct. But I think AMC Plus is like its own streaming service, which, again, there's like 5 million of them now. Like, who has time to God. Yeah. subscribe to AMC Plus monthly? But uh, I'm I'm actually adding that to my list right now. I think you and the wife would like it. Influencer. I'd only have one more. What else do you have? Yeah, this is a simple one. There's others, but it's been crazy start to the year. So this is a really simple one. This just got added to Netflix. And honestly, I think I maybe heard about it once or twice, but it's Tacoma FD, which is, you know, the Broken Lizard guys, like Super Troopers and uh, and Beer Fest and a few, like Sam and Sam and a few others. Like always been like, I've always enjoyed the movies. Obviously, they can be a little over the top or repetitive. But, like, Netflix was putting it on. And I guess it's a show on True TV. And uh, it just got added to Netflix. And True TV is still a yeah, thing. Wow. I know. And I've been uh, I've been rehabbing with my... I, have, I had knee surgery recently, so I'm kind of, like, just really sitting on the couch a lot. Dude, it's actually a really good show. <laughs> like, it, outside really? of, like, the broken lizard-type humor... Like, yeah, it still has that element. Like, obviously less extreme because it's on cable. But... Are, like, all the guys in it? No, just two. Like, all of them make appearances. Two of them are the main cast. Okay. Um, 
Kevin Hefferin, the the bigger guy, and yeah. then I uh, I can't remember the name on the top. So two of them, but they all make appearances, which is probably good for them not to all be in it. Maybe um, in terms of like getting some, I don't know, making someone who doesn't maybe particularly like all of that kind of humor. Yeah. Um, it's it's better than I expected. I, I in my in my wife has like casually been watching it and she's literally laughing. I mean, like this is actually a pretty good show. It's basically like a Brooklyn Nine Nine, but with the fire department, and it still has its ridiculous elements. But like, I'm actually really impressed by it, and I'm shocked at how much I'm enjoying it. Interesting. And it's like ten it episodes and super e- twenty minutes. It's super easy to watch. I like Club Dread, but that's probably like the only. Thing. Like I'm not even a big Super Troopers fan, if I'm being honest. Really, even Beer Fest too. Oh yeah, I like Beer Fest. But what was their other one? Oh, um, they have a bunch that like rest. some of them didn't make it as big. There was a Slam and Salmon, which is the waiter. Yeah, the I hated the Slam and Salmon one, even though Kobe Smolders is in it. Yeah, they, they yeah, they're very hit or miss to me. Um, this is why I wasn't sure what I was gonna get. But maybe again because there are only like two of them who are in it. Um, it's. I, I really enjoy it, and it's it's dumbed down, right? Like not dumbed down. It's 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 not as in your face as those movies. I did grow up in Tacoma, so that's another added plus the show has. Going oh, for. so that's the concept of the show is it rains a lot in Tacoma, so these firefighters have nothing to do. <laughs> like, and so they just take these ridiculous calls. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> fine. Like, is it the best comedy you'll ever watch? No, but if you have literally nothing to do and you're just like killing time, like. Dude, I really had, enjoyed it. It's had four seasons, and then on the TV Time app, it says it has 16 specials. Which oh, I don't specials? Know, I don't know if there was like a, if they were like a, a, a series of episodes that like they were using to pitch the show or something. Oh, maybe something like that. Yeah. So it's one of those shows that grows into itself. Like the first few episodes itself are okay and then like once you kind of like once they all understand their characters and like any like it's like watching how i met your mother or you know the first the first season like it's like i i don't know i'm shockingly uh enjoying it you said it's on netflix it is yeah it just got added like a week ago or something interesting i was surprised i didn't have to subscribe to the true tv fucking streaming <laughs> app or something like you're not already God, guilty as charged if there's one thing you're going to be subscribed to it's true tv yeah uh all right last thing i have just last night uh wife and i saw the new mean girls in theaters um obviously huge fans of the original one if you go check out our commentary on that Obviously, several years back we did it, but it was uh, one of our favorite ones that we've ever done. The first one, I don't think anyone really could have predicted it would become as iconic as it has. Mm -hmm. And so this one as essentially a reboot because it's new actors playing the characters from the original. Um, I knew inherently was going to have an uphill battle for it, but I told you this off-pod cycle. I think it is kind of cool because the crowd that was at my movie theater was basically like tweens. So as opposed to like our generation going back out and supporting it, maybe this will like resonate with, like this will be their version of our Mean Girls, obviously. Like maybe they would yeah. connect it the same way. Um, I'm gonna take full blame for this though. I did not know that this movie was a full-blown musical um, because it is based on the actual Mean Girls musical that has been on Broadway for like five or six years. So that was my bad. And my wife and I were pretty like <laughs> Did she shocked. know by the way? She had no, no idea. No idea. Um, 
And they hit you pretty quick. Like literally the opening scene is a big opening musical number. And there's probably like 12 songs throughout the movie. So it it's not like, you know, here and there, there's a little sprinkle of music. It's like pretty much the whole thing. It's not like Hamilton level where it's like they're singing every single line, but mm-hmm. it's it's a full on musical. Just so you know, there's a, like a video going around on Twitter that like someone's videoing in the movie theater saying like they have no idea it's a musical and they start singing it, and you hear the audible gasps of like everyone in the theater. Yeah. Like, Wait, what? Yeah. Um, so the movie, I think the first act was actually really funny and it was working really well. And then it, the movie's an hour 55 minutes, I think. And I don't know off the top of my head how long the first one is. So I might be talking out of my ass, but it was about 15 minutes too long. And, uh, you're kind of ready for things to wrap up in like the middle of the third act. But there's a lot there. And I think, um, you know, this will probably work for the generation of kids that went to go see it that don't really have like this affinity for the first one that we have. The cast was pretty good for the most part. All the singers were really good. Uh, it was just kind of jarring for me that again, it was a musical. I was not expecting the, the first one is 97 minutes, which means outside of credits, it's an hour and a half. Yeah. So there you go. That's a big difference in the enjoyment. Um, I would recommend going to see it if you like the first one. It feels close enough to it, but also original enough, even outside of just the musical aspect, that uh, it was still quality movie. Did anyone else make any uh, cameos? Um, all right, skip ahead 15 seconds if you don't want Mean Girls spoiled for you. But yeah, Lindsay Lohan is in it. And then I actually saw Tina Fey joke on Entertainment Tonight that they couldn't afford Amanda Seyfried or Rachel McAdams. <laughs> oh, that's kind of mean to Lindsay yeah, Lohan. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Lacey Chabert was not in it. I kind of wish she was. But they did all do the commercials, except yeah. for Lindsay Lohan. Oh, sorry, instead of Rachel McAdams. Yeah, which is weird that they would do that but not come back for the movie. But Tina Fey plays, I believe, the same exact character. And Tim Meadows is the principal. Was he the principal in the first one? I know he was in it. I yeah, he was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so he, they're both really good in it. Tim Meadows, if you use him appropriately in like the correct amount, he's very funny. I've he's, always liked him. I liked him in SNL when I was a kid. And then even Steve, I don't know. He's all, yeah. (laughs) There's a scene, he's like uh, introducing the talent show acts and you can tell he just like hates his life as he's doing it. (laughs) And there's a scene where this kid who like runs the mathletes team goes up there and starts singing this like really vulgar rap, but it's also about math. And at one (laughs) point he says, uh, he's like talking about a girl's ass and he calls it like a hypotenuse. And Tim (laughs) Meadows cuts off the music and he goes, Dylan, we talked about this. (laughs) you talked about this (laughs) that's great yeah that makes me think of the one time i was in sixth grade for the talent show i really wanted to sing me and my friends wanted to sing nookie by biscuit because that's how cool i was in sixth grade oh shit and the sixth grade teacher was like well let me listen to the song and she listens to like 30 seconds and she goes no i'm sorry (laughs) can't sing this song did you even know what Nookie was at the time no no. It's, it isn't when you like grab someone and like rub their head, isn't that called a noogie? Yeah, I had, dude, I don't That's, know. I probably acted like I knew what it meant. Yeah. I don't even know. That, is that even colloquially? I don't think I've ever heard nookie to mean sex outside of that song, in all honesty. <laughs> I mean, have at the time, no. Have you I, ever heard someone say, yeah, man, that nookie was like any, no. I, I, not like post World War II, I don't think. <laughs> That's why I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah, it used to be like a term for like fucking, but it was like, again, pre uh, the Hoovervilles being formed. I think it's actually where people would fuck in the Hoovervilles. They call it making nookie. (laughs) 
I don't know enough to not believe you. <laughs> I teach history, trust me. <laughs> All right, anything else? No, I'm sure there's others, but I think we've uh, we've covered a lot. Yeah. All right. On to the last part of our show, which is our Do You Even Lift Bruh segment. Brian Boehner normally introduces it sounding like a parakeet. <laughs> yeah, similar to that. It's our question and answer segment. And the question we ask and we're going to leave you with today is the countdown of what are the bros' top 100 movies of all time. In the description of this podcast, you will see the top 100 list linked. It's also on our website at the very top, bro4squad.com. Cycli, we're each going to count down, uh, since we're in order, to our number 45 movie of all time. Before we get to that, briefly tell the people what this list is, or like how this list is comprised. Because as we always say, uh, it's not the auteur filmmaker's top 100 greatest pieces of cinema ever made. It's a little bit more unique to us. Yeah, it's, it's literally your top 100. And you don't need to defend it to anyone if you don't want to. I'm like, just like Banners, I mean, if you look at his top 100 on our website... It's pretty embarrassing, but you know what? It's his. It's movies that meant a lot to you uh, for a very variety of reasons. They make you laugh, cry at a certain time in your life when you watched it. Um, yeah, it doesn't have to be the movie that wins Oscars, and then you compare them together. It's it's what what you enjoy. Yep, long as you can defend it. And as we go through our list, if you if you look at them, you'll see, especially Brian Banders, you might get whiplash with the genre <laughs> that he goes. For. It's like there's plenty of movies you can say to someone like, hey, this movie's better than that. And you're like, yeah, yes, it is. But I still like watching this one more. Yeah. I, when I was going through mine, I, I was trying to think like, all right, if I had to sit down and like watch a movie and like, which one would I pick? So yeah. Schindler's List might not be up there because as good <laughs> as it is, it's not super fun to watch. You're not always in the mood for a comedy, you know? like. Ah, Yes. Okay, Cycli, last we left off with our number 46 movies of all time. Yours was the criminally underrated Steven Spielberg film, Hook. So what is one ahead of that at number 45? Uh, it is Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Nice. Um, so a couple reasons for this movie. One, I think it's arguably, at least in the top couple, of best sequels ever. Yes. And and not even just best sequels ever rivals their uh, the originals. I think it's better than the original. I do too. And I mean it's like D2 the Mighty Ducks. You know, I always compare Terminator 2 and D2 the Mighty Ducks. But they're basically Very similar. shot for shot remakes, really. Yeah. yeah. It it's movies that like so one on its own to to have a sequel that just rep like to do what it, you know, as as good as the first one was to come up to his predecessor and meet that expectation. Always impressive, because how many sequels have been disappointing? Two, I was also at an age where I was not born when Terminator 1 came out, but I was a child when Terminator 2 came out. And I didn't see this in theater, because I was probably a four or five, but I probably watched it a few years later with my family. So this was also like the one I remember the most. I, I, I don't really remember watching Terminator 1 on its own until later in life. So I kind of almost like grew up with Terminator 2 as the Terminator movie. Again, a la, Same. The, a la D2, the Mighty Ducks. Well, and plus I as didn't... a kid, when when Terminator is the good guy, as a kid, to yes. me, that was way cooler. Way cooler. So like, that was also a fundamental, so something like I was going to say, what a interesting and, and I also, also ballsy pick by the, the studio 
to have Arnold Schwarzenegger, who's obviously a massive star at the time, huge in the 80s, huge in the 90s, and reverse it for us. Yeah. Right? Like, how many how many franchises do we get that someone starts as a bad guy, becomes good, or someone's a good guy, becomes bad? It's always tough to pull off. It kind of feels gimmicky. It doesn't feel authentic. Um, this movie doesn't have that issue. And from the get-go, seeing, seeing you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger on, obviously the family doesn't trust him for, for obvious reasons from the first one, and he works for that. Uh, the movie also has a sense of dread and desperation. It really... I don't know, encompasses the 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 vibe and um, atmosphere of what was really going on. You know, when they go into the home invasion and go into the guy who's developing Skynet and all of those things. Like, the movie just has a, a nonstop tenseness. And then the bat, the villain, the Terminator, what was his name? Um, or the type of Terminator he was. Um, oh, um, it was a T-something, T. Yeah. I can't remember, but like, man, what an iconic villain for him to kind of go into that like metallic goo. I know there's an official word for it. I can't remember off the top of my head. Model 101, a Cyberdyne Systems Model 101 Terminator. Living tissue over a metal metal endoskeleton. I mean, watching those, like him being able to shift his body into those like weapons and things like that. The helicopter scene is iconic. Holy crap. Like, I don't know. The movie holds up to this day. It's one of those that, like, hasn't really aged. Yeah, absolutely. It's aged in the sense of, like, okay, that's very 80s and early 90s. Was this movie 91, I think? And, but it holds up in every sense of the word. It's probably one of the best action films. I'm not, I'm not too big on action films, and it's probably one of the last pure action films I have on my list. But it, it's, it's, it's not just the action that, like, brings you in. There's a story and depth here. And again, the, uh, the the atmosphere that's created with like a desperation of stopping the end of humanity and the rise of the machines and all of that, like it, it's just iconic. And and I think this movie is one of those that like will live on for uh, forever in terms of like great cinema. Oh yeah. The first Terminator, I it's almost, when you rewatch it, I forgot how little action there actually is in it. It's yes. very like methodical and like a slow burn. The second one, they really up the stakes. Like you definitely feel this sense of dread and the fact that they were able to pull off again the Terminator coming back to help them. You're like, oh shit, this must be pretty serious because this guy has now gone through time to actually save the Connors as opposed to trying to kill them. Yeah, and and Arnold, man, like he just couldn't. He just couldn't miss. No, it's wild. He's one of the craziest stories in hollywood really if you think about it. yeah i i kind of want to watch this now like it, it really again when i think of greatest sequels ever i think of empire i think of t2 i think I, there's it's a hard it's a tough list to be on godfather 2 and and in the mighty ducks too and That's angels in the much, end zone oh well God, how could i forget obviously yeah it's a good one i'm I, I'm sure another bro, I don't know if I have this on my list because it's on a separate spreadsheet, but I'm sure someone else will have this somewhere on theirs. I would hope so. Possibly coming up. All right, my number 46 was the original Rush Hour with uh, nice. Tucker and Jackie Chan. My number 45, one ahead of that, yeah. is the Santa Claus from 1994. Wow, with... just if we had only done this episode like three weeks ago, that would have been so I know. on topic. I know it would have been perfect. Um, the Santa Claus, we did a movie commentary on it. Absolutely incredible film. Uh, usually a once a year watch around Christmas for me, although I didn't get around to it this year. 
Um, Tim Allen in his absolute element. And the reason this works infinitely better than any of the sequels is the story of Scott Calvin, like, and the way Tim Allen plays this sense of humor of like dealing with this unbelievable situation of him having to bear the burden of being Santa Claus and how ridiculous it is and life-changing it is, is so much better uh, as a fertile ground for humor than when he's already an established Santa Claus. <laughs> like the transformation of him from like single dad who's like uh, very successful at his at his business, he's a bit of a womanizer, he's a smart ass, having to take on the role of Saint Nick is very funny and plays really well with his young son Charlie and trying to impress him so he sort of like goes along with this gimmick after he kills Santa Claus. Way better than him like fighting Jack Frost after he's been Santa Claus for 10 years. <laughs> yeah, that's a fair point. It's good. <laughs> And his smarmy relationship with his ex-wife's new boyfriend, Neil, played by Judge Reinhold, who is a psychologist. And some of the things Neil is telling his son, Charlie, when he's not there, <laughs> are really starting to piss him off. There's a scene where he goes, Neil just makes me want to, and Charlie finishes his sentence by saying, lash out irrationally. <laughs> he goes, where did you hear that? <laughs> Neil listens to me, Dad. Yeah, and then he charges you for it. <laughs> I, okay, I have a question for you because you said you didn't get to watch this. Are you someone, and I struggle with this, like that, talking about it, like like I was talking about T2 and I'm like, oh, now I want to watch it. Yeah. Does this make you want to watch it? Or are you someone who's like, I fundamentally can't watch Christmas movies other than <sighs> mid-November to, to the end of January, to the end of December? Dude, I'm the latter. I So I'm watching I a can't. movie... I'm finishing a movie now that I'll talk about, I'm halfway through it, on the next pod, that I didn't realize... I, I thought it was like a fun horror movie, but it is completely Christmas centric and it it's ruining my enjoyment of the movie because I think I would love it around Christmas. And right now it's like, yeah, I can't, hurting me, dude, I can't even watch. And this is high, high on my list. As you know, I can't even watch Muppets Christmas Carol at this point. Like I only can watch it. Absolutely. Yeah. I can't and watch Christmas movies. It might be again. I haven't tried, but maybe it would be different, like in the summer. But the fact that we're three weeks removed from yeah, Christmas, that's... it's torturous. It's it, I just can't do it. No, I'm uh, uh, absolutely same with no, Christmas music. Like in this movie, when Christmas music comes on, I'm like, change that shit. Yeah, one hundred percent. No, we we got to move on as a society together, and only yeah. we can work together through this. But no, that's a great movie. I absolutely. I I, I, I think I told you. I haven't seen that in a long time, the original. I think I haven't seen it, to be honest with you, since I was, like, a kid. So it's I need to revisit incredible. it. It works as both viewing it as a, as a kid and an adult, which is really rare for these types of movies. And another interesting thing, we would have to do quite a bit of research to figure this out, but I would be interested to see if there are any other franchises on the Bros movie list, because like this, where I have this movie in my top 50, and both of the sequels are outside of my top 500. Yeah, that's yeah, it's a fair point. Because I don't think there is a much larger gap between one the, the original movie and its predecessors than there is with the Santa Claus. I mean, there's a few. I don't know. Uh, I figure you at least with these franchises get like one other decent movie, yeah. but two and three to me are straight up unwatchable. Three is one well, of like, the worst I've ever seen. I mean, it goes to like again, this is not the example. It's just because we were talking about like Mean Girls too. Like I've never watched it. Like goes straight to DV or straight to like. There's a lot out there where, like... Yeah, like I guess you're, we, would, you're, we would have to put parameters in place, like, was released in theaters. Yeah, was released in theaters and things like that, because there's, there's a, a lot of, like, repetition on IP that you're like... There's a Joe Dirt straight-to-DVD sequel. No, that has see, that's, that's Christopher Walken and David Spade in it, too. Wait, they're both in it? Yeah. 
Okay, now I kind of do want to watch that. <laughs> what it's called, real quick. Uh, it's called Joe Dirt 2 Beautiful Loser from 2015. No, David Spade, which... Brittany Daniel, Christopher Walken. Okay. Well, 2015, that means they waited a little bit. Yeah. But, but... by the way, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's a, it's tough. Again, that's why I like talking about T T two the sequels. It's impressive when a sequel does what it does. Yep, and can do that. So, by the way, I didn't mention this. I meant to. Edward Furlong is in the is the um, is John Connor as a kid in the in in D two, and in T two, and great performance. He had such a great opportunity and. I just want to mention him really quickly. I'll mention him later because he's also in another movie that's upcoming for me. But man, the guy, if you read about Edward Furlong, he is, oof, he's had a tough go of it. Kind of makes me think of Jake Lloyd. Um, Sometimes you think of these kid actors or young actors and, and dude, it's, you're you're jealous of him when you see him being in movies. Yeah, you're like oh, I'm, dude, yeah. I'm scared to click any further because there's a YouTube documentary about him called Groomed. Oh, God. See, I don't even... That just came up when I Googled him. That's, Again, yeah. Life in Hollywood as a kid, it's not any life at all, really. It's fucking brutal. You're an object, basically. Yeah, and your parents are saying that, but... And then once you age out, they just fucking toss you into the trash bin. That, that might be a good episode topic on kid actors, where they know. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, on that very happy note, we will end yeah. <laughs> episode 215. <215- laughs> Uh, Cycling, any advice for the people before we let them go? Well, should we should we say something like, um, to cheer, cheer people up, hey, uh, Jeff, why did the walrus go to the Tupperware party? Mm, I don't know. Why? He was looking for a tight seal. That's gross. <laughs> Come on. You're sick. <laughs> what? How did you I'm the a, bad guy. How did you have a walrus and Tupperware joke locked and loaded? <laughs> I, I, just, I saw it the other day. I thought it was pretty funny. <laughs> okay. Um, well played. Uh, what I will say is if you go get your hair cut anytime soon, make smart choices. Also, stay warm. The weather forecast literally since I've been on this podcast changed, and now it looks like it's not going to snow in a few days for me, but who knows? It could fucking happen in an instant. <laughs> that has nothing to do with getting your hair cut. Those are just two non sequiturs that I had in my head. All right, for Ronnie Cycli, I'm the Mayor Jeff Hornacek. We're the Bro4 Squad podcast. Follow us on Twitter, threads, and Instagram, at Bro4 Squad. We're on Letterboxd, Apple Podcasts, Spotify Music, Amazon Music, YouTube, anywhere you can find podcasts if you type in Bro4 Squad as three separate words. And everything we've ever done and our top 100 lists are on our website, bro4squad.com. Till next time, we have to go save the future with this robot who looks like he definitely does uh, bicep curls. 